Today we're talking about internalized misogyny in our kids, when it begins and why it's really shitty. Um, yeah, that's right. Misogynistic baby men and baby women. They're all at it. Uh, and a little, little look at what we can do with that. Before we do, let's have uh, just a little look. Have you, have you been doing lately? I'm just thinking of uh, my my week. Have I been rocking the world in feminism this week? Or have I been just like curling up in a, in a lovely, comfortable blanket of familiar complicitness in my own horrific repression? Which is a pain. Because to be fair, it can be one or the other, depending on the day. They're all both perfectly reasonable situations. I would say this week, I've probably been rocking the world a little bit in feminism. I mean, small town world, uh, local elections here in Barcelona and Catalonia. And I have been speaking to all the, uh, the, the candidates from the different parties. And yeah, that mightn't seem like it's rocking the world in feminism, but I'm getting ready to vote. In fact, getting ready to. I just voted. I did the postal vote there yesterday. I voted, which our generation is quite lucky to be privileged enough not to realize it's such a, a feminist thing. But my goodness, we have feminists to thank for that. Um, obviously, all women didn't get the vote at the same time, but still, feminism was the fight that brought the vote to women. I noticed, actually, I wonder if this is everywhere in the world, I've noticed that um, uh, all the candidates, all the manifestos, right at the top of their list was feminism. And I was, I was like, what? That's amazing. I live in a small town. I don't know if it happens like this everywhere, where they just kind of set up in different, um, like, shop fronts, I don't know, different... Uh, places and you can just wander in and have a little chat to them and they're there all day for the for a week or so and they uh yeah they have their posters up and all around the town you just see like we're feminists feminism at the top of our list which it's really uh, uh it's delightful to be perfectly honest i'm not sure if that's always been the, i'm sure that hasn't always been the way actually but uh but i think it's pretty cool also it makes me slightly nervous because there was one party where i spoke to them and i said wow you guys are feminists you you folks are feminists uh, according to your posters, like what is it you do? And and they were a little bit like, yeah, well, you, you, we attended like that that opening at that women's shelter, and, uh, and, uh, and that was great uh, two or three years ago. And it's a little bit like, oh, are you just using feminism to try and get my vote? Because if you are, sir, it's not working. So from aspiring feminist politicians to misogynistic baby men, misogynistic baby girls, what is internalized misogyny? When does it even begin? Because we're not born with it. It's not a DNA situation. When does it begin? And look, how can we flush it down the toilet with the rest of our daily shit? Get rid of it. How are we going to do that? Now, the thing about internalized misogyny is that when you're looking at feminist issues in general, like gender pay gap, child brides, um, female genital mutilation, I mean, they're, they're big ones. They're, they're, they're very obviously shocking and awful. Uh, but internalized misogyny is something that it kind of tends to fly under the radar a lot of the time. And we kind of don't even know that it's messing with us. Uh, it's acting as a filter for us, for how we interpret the world. And you, a lot of the time, I think most of the time, people think that they're being objective. 
And really, like, we've got a huge amount of learned internalized misogyny. So uh, I don't know if you've ever had this situation. I know I've had it. And then I heard a comedian talking about it once uh, recently. And I was like, ah, that's me, that's me. Where she said that she was on an airplane and the voice comes on over the, the loudspeaker. And it's like, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your captain, Mary McLadyface. Uh, it was a lady, if you didn't guess from my creative name. And uh, in the case of this comedian, what she said was her first reaction was like, yeah, you go, girl, smash those stereotypes, you fly that plane. And she was super for it. Um, Then they hit a little bit of turbulence later on in the flight. And she said that like her initial her, her, her total natural reflex reaction was, damn, I hope she knows how to fly this plane. Oh, my God. Uh, and that's the internalized misogyny that we have where even because I remember she was a feminist who was she I wish I could remember her name I'll try and find it in the show notes um put it in the show notes I mean um uh, she was a feminist and I was in the same situation when I heard the voice come over the loudspeaker I immediately started to doubt whether or not the pilot could fly the plane just because she was a woman and I'm a woman and I'm a feminist like it's 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 very silly to say the least Uh, and and that leads to you know, women who could support a sexist leader, like like there's women for Trump and Latinas for Trump. Well, I mean, that's that's for unpacking for one situation, um, or women blaming victims, or. Uh, maybe like women who are just kind of blindly supporting other women who are just really holding up oppressive structures like um uh, like like politicians who are awful but she's a woman so yay supports I'm a supporter ooh there's a lot to unpack there like that's a whole suitcase that's a whole suitcase and I, I don't think I'm the one to unpack that one but but yeah and internalized misogyny starts really early so you've got to be on the lookout for it. Like if you're not thinking about it and talking about it, it's getting in there with your kids. Did you know that kids as young as 18 months old can actually distinguish between the genders? And and that's normal for them. They use that as information to guide their behavior. An example I had of this was my little baby boys. I have, um, I have baby men. They are three-year-old twins. And when they were two, actually, this has happened a while ago, we were reading a book and it was just like a, a simple little book about a little penguin who's afraid to jump in the water. And uh, it, it was really, it was, uh, had really strong sten- gender stereotypes where the, the dad was like, don't be so silly. Uh, that's a stupid thing to do. Just jump. You'll be fine. And the mom was like, oh, everyone's got different fears. We just have to work through it and support him together. And uh, and in the end, with the loving support of mom, baby penguin jumps in the water and everyone's super happy. It's, it's a sweet story, apart from the crushing gender stereotypes. Uh, my boys liked it, so we used to read it a bit. And we used to do the, just the, we used to, we always do the classic uh, pronoun switch just to try and get some some female leads into the books because there are none. So instead we would have the mum giving the tough love and the dad being empathetic and kind. And the two-year-olds, they were having, they were having none of it, my little baby men. They were just like, no, no, that's the mum. This is the dad. What are you talking about? Um, and also, uh, don't be fooled by thinking that they had specifically seen like, no, mums have to be empathetic and dads have to be uh, uh, tough love dudes. It, it was just because the mommy penguin had eyelashes. Like the, <laughs> that's how much, that's how, how strongly it's driven into them. They were like, eyelashes equals female. So kids as young as 18 months, they're learning what it means to be male or female in this world. 
and like I was saying, this is a patriarchal, unequal kind of world we're living in. So uh, we need to be taking a stand, be a stander-upper against internalized misogyny to help them. Also, I don't know if you knew, but there's a really strong correlation between spousal equality in parents and uh, marital success and earning potential in kids uh, when they grow up. So kids who who grew up in houses that used to regularly uh, switch up gender roles and not really not really drive home those crushing gender stereotypes, those kids apparently you they showed they were more statistically likely to be a uh, success in their marriages or partnerships later in life, and uh, they tended to earn more money. So like, yeah, ladies, it looks like we're gonna have to start taking out the rubbish and driving. Um, and like daddy's gonna have to get in the kitchen I mean uh, in this house the kitchen belongs to dad so I have to kind of like prove to the boys that mommy can cook too sometimes but like but yeah we're gonna have to start smashing up those gender stereotypes because uh, it starts young and they're taking everything in and they're saying this is for a woman and that's for a man and we live in a society that says a woman is down here and a man is up here and we need to be careful we need to help the next generation So when I started paying attention to it, it was a little bit like the Matrix where you're like, oh my God, I didn't see anything before and now I see everything. All right, what does internalized misogyny look look like in kids? It's, uh, I mean, it's a classic meme and it's everywhere on social media. It's, "Mm -hmm." my kids could walk past their dad who's sitting down on the sofa reading a newspaper and come all the way upstairs into the bathroom, into my shower to ask me to open their packet of crackers for them. Um, That's number one. It's kids always asking mum to do the work. Why not dad? Dad can work too, you know. Um, kids who associate colors with genders as well. I mean, the classic, like we're, the, the adults drill it into little kids, so so poor things, but like um, pink is for girls and blue is for boys, like just that classic, That that's already uh, internalizing these gender differences. And, and coming from that as well, the kind of like, no, no, girls can't do this, or you're a boy, that, that's not for you. That's another w- version of it. And did you know as well for like mm, gender stereotypical toys, like, I mean, check out babies, like babies don't know anything. They know nothing. They have no prejudices. Uh, prejudices. Uh, so they play with anything. And and that goes on like uh, when they're one, two, three. The kids don't show any kind of gender stereotypes in their choices of toys when they're that young. But as they grow older, they do. And as they grow older, across the board, they they tend to choose the ones that are specific for their particular gender. And it's because they've started to realize the consequences of what it means if you're a boy and you pick up that doll, or if you're a girl and you pick up that hammer, like the comments and the looks and the things that will happen. Um, and and bless them, like it, it is a phenomenon that kids at a certain age, they start to reject the non-stereotypical toys. And that's like, that's, a darling little baby rejecting a part of themselves. It's so sad. It's it's crushing, really, when you're like, oh, this is something. It, what kind of a message is that as well to give our kids? Like, hey, there's something that makes you happy, but now, guess what? You're going to have to pretend you don't like it anymore. Ooh, ooh, that's not nice. Um, and then there's kids making sex segregation rules for play. Uh, 
and and that never happens in a vacuum. So like like I've said like about a hundred times already on this episode, uh, we live in an unequal patriarchal society. There's always a hierarchy when there's when there's two binary sexes. There's always a hierarchy, and it's almost always the males on the top and the females on the bottom. Not sexually speaking, we're talking about kids here now, but uh, but hierarchically, yeah, it's it, it's not ever it's not usually equal when there's sex segregation, gender segregation for play. Um, and that looks like, oh, I'm going to say something and this may not be popular, but you know what? My podcast, I'm going to say it, all right? Talking about football uh, or soccer, if you choose. Football for anywhere that is not in the United States of America is a predominantly male sport. Um, and in the schoolyard, oh my God, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. You can have a schoolyard that's uh, X number of meters big, uh, let's say it's oh, actually I'm really bad with measurements, but let's say it's a hundred square meters in the schoolyard, and there's boys and girls out there playing. Like the girls are literally marginalized to the sidelines, as like maybe maybe two or three boys decide that they want to kick the ball around, and they're going to take up the whole place. I see it all the time. We go to the town plaza every day uh, when I take my kids from daycare, and there's like there's everybody's there. All, all the town is there, family sitting around, chatting. And maybe five or six boys decide they want to play football. They take up the entire place. Coffee cups hitting little babies. Coffee cups hitting babies. <laughs> That's not right. Football smashing into coffee cups, hitting little babies. Um, and, and there's always a sense of, well, there's not even a sense of entitlement. It's just pure entitlement that they never stop to think like, wait a minute, this is a shared communal space maybe we shouldn't be taking the whole thing up with our football. I don't know, maybe I'm going off on a rant there. And I just thought to myself, as I mentioned, that football around the world is a predominantly male thing, but in the United States it's a predominantly female thing. I wonder, anyone listening from the United States, I wonder if uh, football, uh, soccer, in the schoolyards in the United States, is it a case of like four or five girls uh, taking up the entire schoolyard and kicking the ball around and smashing it into babies? Or when it's girls playing, are they a little bit more uh, thoughtful? I don't know. I might be smashing. I might be drilling home stereotypes there, but that's interesting. Let me know. Let me know. So those are just different ways. Uh, sorry, that with, with the football point, I think that I didn't successfully express what I was trying to say. Uh, the internalized misogyny there is that there can be a whole uh, space that's for boys and girls and everybody in between in the schoolyard, but a small group of boys will think that they're entitled to that space. Uh, I feel that that fits in there in internalized misogyny. Maybe not. Let me know. Am I mad? Uh, and the thing about that is, so we're, we're learning this as kids, all right? And obviously, little kids, all going well, they turn into adults, which is wonderful. But, like, let's look at the direct cor correlations. Like, little kids thinking, uh, you know, always asking mum to do the work. And then adults grow up, and what do they do? They assume that housework is women's work. All right? And then that leads to women being associated with the home. And in, in I had on a, on on my blog, motherofsnap.com, uh, I wrote a little bit about uh, Ruth 
Beta Ginsburg and her wonderful take on it where she was fighting uh, Supreme Courts to have gender equality in the United States. And one of her main arguments was because she was trying to get the men on board because they couldn't see how this was be- would benefit them at all. Egypts. Um, and one of her main things was she was saying anytime a woman is being oppressed, a man is being oppressed. Uh, and they were like, what? No, we're free. You're being oppressed and we're fine with that. But the point is, say, for example, here, if women are always associated with the home, the men are always associated with the workplace. And that's a type of oppression because really everybody should just be free to choose. I I knew a couple where the woman had a much more high powered and high salaried job than the man. And when they had kids, um, he even said to her, like, hey, I'll stay at home with the kids. Like, uh, I just have some random office job. You have the high, high-powered career with all the salary. You hang on to it. And she was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm staying at home. And that's fine. That's her choice, too. <laughs> but um, I think I might be a little bit patronizing in saying this. But again, my podcast, I'm going to do it. How much of her choice was influenced by the whole idea of, uh, of the shame and the guilt if she goes back to work? And what would she think of her husband? Is it emasculating for the husband to be at home? You see how it's it's oppressive across the board, uh, that type of internalized misogyny. Um, and also, speaking of, of things like that, mm, you know the classic kind of like, oof, I remember my 20s, knowing boy, boys, I say boys because they weren't men, boys like this, who would be like, no, no, I, I bring my laundry home to mom at the weekends. Like, she loves doing it. She loves doing it. It's great. She feels needed. Listen, mate. First of all, your mum does not love washing your dirty underpants, all right? Your skid marks are your skid marks, and she doesn't want to know about it. And second of all, if you want to help your mum feel needed, we can talk about the very many wonderful ways you can do that. One of them would not be bloody doing your laundry on our weekend. So there's this idea that people assume women are better at some things, and then just like the the notorious R B G. I always I'm dyslexic. I mix up the letters. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as she was saying, if people assume women are better at some things, and then they also assume men are better than at other things, uh, and like, and if you're a man but you don't happen to know how to use power tools, <laughs> you obviously have no penis for some reason. Um, and the issue with that as well. I mean, uh, I say this before. I said this in another pod- podcast, like. I could imagine a world where, all right, fair enough, like mm, women can, we can all just assume women are better at one thing and men are better at another thing, uh, and we're all different but equal. But that's just it. We don't live in a world that's different and equal. We live in a world that's different and unequal. And the thing is, is that the things that men are associated at being better with, they're always higher value things. And the things women are associated with, Surprise, surprise. They're always lower value things. Like, what are women associated at being better at? Associated being better at cleaning, doing the laundry, sewing, cooking. And those are all super important things that absolutely everybody needs. But like, uh, oh, and it's like teaching as well. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why teachers are not the most highly paid and highly respected profession in our entire society. There is no more important job than a teacher. No more important paid job than a teacher. Um, but but yet we're like, oh, your son's a lawyer. Your daughter's an engineer. Amazing. Which is amazing. But like teacher, that is the big one. And women are t- tend to be more associated with teaching for some reason. And then men, like, like the example I said with the pilot, 
men are more associated with high value things like like being a pilot. If I say there was a pilot flying the plane, you know you're picturing a man, even if you're a flaming feminist, you know you are. Um, associated with being pilot, if I were to say my boss uh, is really good, you'd be like, what's his name? What does he do? You think it's a man? Being a CEO, all these things. So men are associated with being uh, just better at some things, but by winky dink, they all happen to be things that are more highly valued in our society. So that kind of internalized misogyny, that's not good. Um, oh God, I don't know why I said it like that. That was weird. Um, and and then the uh, so when you see. Um, kids in the schoolyard, I'm coming back to the football, you probably be like, ah, let it go, but I'm a little bit obsessed with it. Kids in the schoolyard um, where there's this giant space and these small group of boys think that it's perfectly acceptable for them to just like take control of it because it's their space and they want to play their game. Well, it's a centralization of, of the male in society. Um, and you see that in, in well, you see that in basically every film, TV show, everything but also in kids books you see the centralization of a male character where like the female characters all right now we've got like a bit of a resurgence of strong female characters but also like not everyone is strong we don't want strong female characters we want real female characters whole female characters interesting female characters but uh, even before the emergence of this strong female lead um female characters were just kind of like they're just kind of there as an as an extra like the stories about the man you see it in kids books like i i did a little test on about 25 of my kids just random lovely children's storybooks and there wasn't one female lead there wasn't one a strong female character see you later it was all about the boys so uh, when they grow up into adults there's a centralization of men in society so that Things traditionally associated with femininity, 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 they're trivialized and they're mocked. And then things traditionally associated with maleninity, <laughs> what am I even saying? With masculinity, that's a word. Uh, they're kind of just like, oh yeah, that that's, it's it's either good or even not that. It's just neutral. That's just that's just what it is. Um, an example that I would use to this now I'm not from very obviously from my accent I'm not from the United States um, I have no idea what a pumpkin spice latte is mm, I think it's something to do with Starbucks I, I think it's probably just a coffee I don't know sip of water um, but I do know that come October social media is going to be full of memes that are going to be absolutely ripping the piss out of anyone who happens to like this particular type of coffee, which is a really weird thing if you're not at all part of, of that culture. Um, but then on the other side, the, you often see like like memes, like the so pumpkin spice is a flavor and then bacon is also a flavor or a thing you can eat. But bacon is like, bacon, throw some bacon on, I love a bit of bacon. Um, and... Like, obviously, pumpkin spice latte is connected with femininity. Bacon is connected with masculinity. And one is just ripped to shreds. And the other is like, it's it's a good or it's a neutral. It's just like, that's just a thing. Like, bacon is just bacon. Everybody loves bacon. Oh, pumpkin spice latte, you're an idiot. I, I, I don't particularly understand it. But, uh, 
But yeah, another example, maybe that was a bit of a weird one, made sense in my head. Uh, another one that I think of um, in, in pop culture, where you have um, like two, I'm going to say icons, but I really, I only think one of them is an icon, like where you have uh, Kanye versus Beyonce. And they, they're somehow like they're both kind of up there and like both uh, A-list, I suppose. And uh, I don't know, Kanye talks about himself in a way like didn't he say he thought he was like bigger than Jesus or well, was that the Beatles? <laughs> That's a real mix up. But he said something, didn't he? He's got like this big he, and he's, he's kind of Kanye. And I think people, uh, you know, I don't know what people think of him, but like he's 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 a big deal. Then you get Beyonce, like Beyonce, she she is the most ever living, amazing, like and I'm not even particularly a fan of her music necessarily, it's great, but I, um, not my style, but uh, oh my holy mother of crap, like you got like talk about triple threat, ah, this woman is a million threat, like she's everything and she's like, she's writing and she's producing and the, the music, the music that she's creating, it's like, it's it, it's avant-garde and she's changing music and she's leading and then she's like what is it she's the first black woman to lead to to headline at Coachella and that's not even enough she has to uh, make a film about it which was incredible and then she made an album based on the film based on the concert and that was incredible like this woman is she's jumping through every hoop there is but somehow she's, she's kind of on the same level as Kanye and even like even it took she had to fight to be taken seriously as Beyonce. I remember, I remember like about 10 years ago, uh, bear in mind I'm Irish, uh, so Bono, who, you know, he's a personality in himself. I'm not saying anything about him, but uh, Bono, who was like a lot more relevant at the time and uh, haven't heard from him. I haven't heard, well, I never hear from him. I haven't heard anything about him in a while. But Bono came out and said something like, um, "Like, oh, Beyonce's she's like one of the most avant-garde musicians uh, in the world today, um, or at least in the pop scene today." And people were up in arms. They're like, "Beyonce, Destiny's Child, she's just like bootylicious and and whatnot." And people didn't see beyond that. And like, the woman is an absolute queen. And Kanye's a bit of an idiot. And they're both on the same level. I don't get it. So yeah, maybe that's another tangent. But for me, that's just uh, an example of the centralization of men in society so that things that are typically associated with masculine, they're just kind of like neutral, positive or neutral. You know, that's just the way it is. And then things that are associated with femininity, they're they're less than somehow. And you have to fight to make people understand like like Beyonce's flipping amazing and pumpkin spice latte is just a type of coffee. I don't know what the deal is with that. Anywho, that got a bit weird actually. I'm not sure I said what I meant to say. But, you know, there you go. I said it. Um, Listen, internalized misogyny, not good, starts very young in our children and turns into awful things as adults. So let's do something about it. What on earth can we do about it? Uh, First of all, the, the language you use around your kids. Like, do you ever tell your kids to man up or stop being such a girl? Like, uh bloody hell I start I when I thought about it a good few years ago the phrase man up or grow a pair grow a pair of what squishy sensitive hairy little kiwi balls that's not gonna help me be strong or brave I birthed a baby out of my vagina I birthed two of them not sure I had a cesarean but you know 
women in general. Like ours are way stronger. So the language that we use around boys, uh, around kids is really important. So like, don't tell them to man up. Don't tell them to stop being such a girl. Um, and just use, just be careful. Just use more, more, like if you want to tell them to man up, I don't know, uh, be tough, be strong. <laughs> there you go. That was easy. Uh, don't be such a girl. Um, well, I think actually, if you're telling your kid, don't be such a girl, like maybe, maybe I'm not going to offer an alternative phrase. Maybe just stop and think like, why, why are you telling them that? Like, what are they doing? Are they, are they crying? Why are they crying? I think you'd have a much more productive situation if you sit down and just have a little chat with them. Um, another way to help stop the uh, tsunami flow, can you say flow with the tsunami? I don't know. Tsunami flow of internalized misogyny is bringing diversity into your kids' lives, like proactively, because the normal media and society is not going to do it for you. So you have to go out there and do that. Um, books, the books that you do, that you get for them, even if you're not buying them because I know that like I can't afford to buy many books geez my kids read so many um so at the library um look for the ones that have uh people who aren't uh, like a straight white cisgendered able-bodied heterosexual male in the lead character look for those ones look for ones that have got different type of families um bringing diversity into them with role models as well. Like, uh, I often think about this, I think I spoke about it before in episode two as well, with, um, with, with sports and role models. Like, there is a never-ending plethora of amazing role models out there who happen to be female. Uh, and I often think of the example of the amazing Venus Williams, Venus, I meant Serena Williams, also, Venus is great, but I'm talking about Serena. Um, and the, the, the women's football, in particular, the American women's football team, soccer, who are world champions, uh, World Cup champions, uh, everything. And they're, they're just, like, they're not hardly paid anything. They're suing the, the association at the moment. And one of the arguments people would always say is that, yeah, but you don't, they don't get the viewership. And, you know, like, it's, it's a transactional thing. Like, they make money from viewers. And the question is, is why don't people watch such high-level athletes. Like, if you want to bring diversity into your kids' lives to help show them that there are amazing role models out there who are women and that you respect them and that you're interested in them, a really easy way is just, like, watching sports with women in them. Watching women... I was going to say women's tennis and women's football. It's just tennis and football. Um, but it happens to be being done by women. Yeah, so like sit down with them and be like, holy moly, check out Serena Williams. She's quite possibly one of the greatest athletes of all time and here are the many reasons why. And then your children will start to understand that there are amazing women out there and it helps to balance out the society's unequal patriarchal way of saying that women are crap. Uh, and same for hobbies as well, like uh, uh, and, and connecting into the, the language that you use for them or if you're you tell them that they can't do something just because they're a boy or just because they're a girl. Like, I oh, know that's not for you. That's for girls. Or you wouldn't like that. That's for boys. Like, let them do weird, funky hobbies and, uh, and enjoy it. Don't make them relinquish a part of themselves and don't give them that message that's like, that thing that makes you happy? Nah, pretend you hate it and that's how everyone's going to love you. That is a mess. That is a mess of a message to be given to a little child. So yeah, bring diversity into your kids' lives. And um, I was saying with the books, if you can't afford, not everyone can afford to be buying books. Um, and that ties into this one with point, 
pointing out moments when you see misogyny in their lives. So like, say the books you already have, like the books we have are delightful and awful. So uh, when there's moments where there's just like randomly a picture of a family at home, at, at home and for some reason, the mum is in the kitchen wearing an apron doing the dishes. Like it's not part of the story, nothing to do with anything. But dad's, dad's sitting down reading the newspaper. Like, why is that picture depicted like that when the story is about, like, a magic train set or something? Like, it's nothing to do with the dishes. So pointing it out to your kids, like, like I was saying, that the kitchen in our house is definitely my husband's domain. Um, and so uh, when I see a picture of the mum in the kitchen, tied to the kitchen sink, I kind of say to the boys, like, hey, look, see the mummy in the kitchen there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but who's usually in the kitchen in our house? Oh, it's daddy, isn't it? Yeah, so, like, anyone can be in the kitchen. Kitchen's for everybody, isn't it? And and they're like, yes, mummy, yes. <laughs> because they're so sweet and they take everything at face value. So, yeah, if you see things happening, like, I, you know, people make such random comments, like, oh, is this a boy? But he has long hair, stuff like that. And you point out to boys, like, hey, are, are you a boy? Yeah, do you have long hair? Yeah, well, then long hair is also for boys as much as for girls, by ipso facto. You know, so talking to your kids like kids are so bloody smart at just taking things at face value and just being like, yeah, this is this and that is that Like they have no prejudice. So it's actually way easier for kids to understand things than than you might think. And then there's the old classic uh, switching up gender roles at home, like getting your hands dirty, ladies. We're taking out that rubbish. Oh, God, I hate it. But we have to do it. Um, also, I, I'm from Ireland, but I live in Barcelona and uh, I don't drive here because they drive on, inverted commas, the other side of the road and it freaks me out. But uh, there was a point when my little boys were like, were kind of saying like, oh yeah, no, this is daddy's car because daddy drives the car. Mommy can't drive. <laughs> so we had to, I, we, we, I insisted on every time we got into the car saying to the boys, daddy's going to drive today, but mommy can drive too. She's a very good driver, which is true. Also really patronizing and annoying, but yeah, switching up gender roles at home. Um, have you ever read that article by a man? He's an adult man, and he, he refers to a newspaper article from the New York Times where his mum, who was a, a uh, feminist, was interviewed by the New York Times about what she was doing in terms of raising her baby boy. And she said that one thing that she did was switch up gender roles a lot and switch up gender pronouns, which I was talking about before. And when I first read that, I was like, oh, my God, this is so depressing. This like this this was from the 19, 1960s, I think it was. And we're still saying the same stuff. Like, how far have we even come? Not that far. But but the positive spin on it was that uh, that was his experience growing up with a feminist mum. And then in this in this recent article that was from 2016, I think it was. uh, Yeah, he was quite a cool um, feminist guy. So he just kind of had that infused in him. So he had maybe internalized equality, which was just a pretty cool way to go about it, actually. So, so there we go. That's it. We've been looking at internalized misogyny. Um, why we need to think about it. I mean, we need to be fighting uh, gender pay gap, child marriage, rape, all those things. We need to be fighting it. But we also can't forget internalized misogyny because it starts young with our little kids. And then they grow up thinking that they're being neutral and they're not being neutral. They're being completely biased. We all are. 
Um, and it's a bias that they've learned from an unequal patriarchal society. And we're just repeating, repeating the, uh, the cycle, the awful cycle. So we've been looking at that, what to do about it. And, and they, like I said, I was a teacher for many years. And if you thought you were going to listen to this podcast and get out of here without any homework, friends, you were wrong. You've got homework. You better go do it. Uh, you're, I'm going to check. I don't know how. Your homework for today is any of those things from, from what we're talking about of what we can do about internalized misogyny. Just take one of them and give it a go. Like a real go. Like really for, for a week, for a day, for an hour. Just really try to do that. Like either thinking about your language with your kids, like even just take take the example of those particular expressions, like man up and grow a pair, and just every time they escape your lips, just be like, all right, I did do that, but I'm going to make an effort to stop doing that, and just be aware of it, and try to stop, or bringing diversity into your kids' lives, like watching some, some sport or something with some athletes who happen to be women, try to get some more diverse books in with them, or if you, if you can't do any of that like just in your day-to-day lives pointing out the misogyny when you see it and have a little chat with them because they are incredibly intelligent human beings and they'll figure that stuff out faster than you will or switching up the gender roles all right so take one of those four things and give it a go give it a real go and and let me know how it goes and i would just like to say if you've gotten this far you are officially invited over to my house for a nice cup of tea because you are Thank you for sticking with us. This has been the Hairy Feminist Podcast with me, your host, Mother of Snot. You can find me at motherofsnot.com. Also on Instagram at Mother of Snot and obviously at the Hairy Feminist. And yeah, cheers for stopping by. And now go, go on off. You've got loads of homework to do. Go get it done. I want no excuses. And remember, Harry's not an insult. It's literally just the biological norm. Uh, Bye-bye.